Good morning. It's good to be together in worship. I want to welcome you, especially if you're a guest. I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, just uh, pray that today is a blessing to you. And if you're connecting with us online for the first time or have been with us for a long time online, we are thankful for this technology that uh, helps us connect in this way and grateful to have you with us as well. I hope that uh, all of you uh, that are here in the room uh, got some uh, notes as you came in. And uh, if you didn't, there's a QR code on the screen. You could scan that. For those of you who are online, uh, you can scan that QR code and it'll take you to all the notes and all the scriptures. Um, as we are in the third week of the book of Jonah today, I hope you brought your Bibles and uh, you can hang with us in there or use version, but... This is just one of those great series for you to actually get into God's Word, make some notes in your own Bible. God won't get mad at you to write in your Bible um, and to hang with us as we take some notes. Um, so I want to pull this map up. We've been pulling this up each week in this series, and I want you to just see this and be reminded again of where we're at in the story. Jonah is called by God to go to Nineveh. And instead of going 500 miles northeast to Nineveh, he immediately goes 30 miles south to Joppa and gets on a boat to go 2,000 miles due west to Tarshish, which was modern-day Spain and was literally the farthest possible place in the known world that he could go in the opposite direction of where God wanted him to go. And so as I look at Jonah's story, um, I'm just reminded again that this is our story. And that's what we've been saying uh, through this, but this isn't a kid's story, this is our story. And the more we can look at the book of Jonah and we can say, this is a mirror and it's reflecting my image, God, can you help me see myself in Jonah? The, the more you see yourself in Jonah, the more you'll get out of this book. The more you sit back and judge Jonah and go, oh, what a moron. Why would you go 2,000 miles due west when God wanted you to go 500 miles northeast? The more we do that, the less we will actually get from this book. Because the truth is, we all have run and do run from God in different ways at various times and places. And so uh, God pursues Jonah and uh, the, there's a storm. He pursues them in the, the form of a storm. And, and what looks like a storm to bring judgment to Jonah is actually a storm to bring salvation to Jonah. And uh, the sailors, they're just, they're, they're praying and they're to their own gods. And they're going, they wake up Jonah because he's asleep in the, in the bottom of the ship. And they say, hey, pray to your God. And, uh, and they ultimately cast lots to figure out who's the culprit, who's the one who's caused the storm to come upon us. And the, the lot lands on Jonah. They say, hey, what's going on? And I, I love this. Jonah gives them a really good theological statement. He says, hey, I worship the God who created the, the land and the sea. He knows a lot of information. He knows that his God is, is the ultimate mighty God. He has a lot of theology. He has a lot of good words, but his life is not living up to what he knows. And again, I just think, man, we are so much like Jonah. We have so much information about God. We know so much, and yet we're not being obedient with what we know so many times. And so that's what happens. Uh, 
And, and what's interesting is uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16, Paul says to Timothy this, and I, I think of Jonah in this passage. He says, keep close watch on how you live and on your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. Jonah had some good teaching. He was a prophet. He knew a lot of information, but he wasn't living up to what he knew. And so he gets thrown into the sea. He gets swallowed by a great fish. And finally, he comes to this place of surrender. And so in your notes, um, I just kind of put some reminders in there because we've been talking about uh, what are some baby steps of surrender. And, and so remember, baby step number one for, for Jonah and for us is stop running from God. So in chapter one, when, when Jonah finally said, okay, I'm tired of being on a boat, going in the opposite direction, just throw me in the sea, he stopped running. He was like, okay, I'm, I'm not gonna get away from God. The only way this is gonna end is if you throw me in the sea. The, the first baby step to surrender is stop running from God. Now, the fact that you're here today the fact that you're tuning in online is probably a good indicator that at least you're not running from God unless somebody drug you to church today or, or somebody made you watch online. So that there's a good chance that you're not running and that maybe you're already taking that baby step and, and you're already saying, okay, God, I'm going to stop running from you. But, but then there's a second baby step, and we see that in chapter 2, and we talked about that last week, where, where Jonah has to commit to obeying God. Jonah chapter two, verse nine says this, but I will offer sacrifices, this is his prayer in the fish, to you with songs of praise. Just a side note, God likes it when we sing. God, if you wonder why do we sing, and you wonder you know, why, why do we do this, God likes it when we sing. He says, I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise and I will fulfill all my vows for my salvation comes from the Lord. So he's saying, I'm going to do what you asked me to do, God. I'm going to fulfill my vows. And so the, the first baby step is quit running from God. The second baby step is actually say, okay, God, I'm going to commit to obeying you. I'm, I'm going to commit to doing the things that you've asked me to do. But then we talked about last week, we ended with the fish vomiting him out on the shore. And although we all kind of in our mind's eye think he gets vomited on the shore of Nineveh, as you saw on that map, no matter where he got vomited on the beach, he was 500 miles away from Nineveh. So what happened is this last baby step in surrender had to take place, and it's where we ended last week. Surrender is a daily decision. Surrender is a daily decision. In other words, he, he made the decision to stop running from God. He made the decision to commit to doing what God asked him to do. But then he got vomited onto the shore by this fish. And then he had to say, okay, I will go in the direction that I said I would go. I'll do what you asked me to do. And he had to keep putting one foot in front of the other. He had to keep taking one step after another. And this is just how surrender works. Surrender is not a one-time decision. Some of you might say, well, I surrendered last week. Good. You better surrender again today. And then you better surrender again tomorrow morning. And listen, there are times where you're going to say, 
I'm going to wake up in the morning, first thing in the morning, and God, I surrender to you. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to do what you ask me to do. And then at noon, you're like, oh, Lord, I need to surrender to you again. I'm going to do what you ask me to do. And then at 4 p.m., it's like, and then there are really bad days where you're like every five minutes, God, I'm going to surrender to you again. God, I'm going to surrender. I mean, this is an ongoing, surrender is not a one-time choice. It is a lifestyle of saying, Lord, not my will, but yours. Lord, I want to follow you. I want to serve you. I'm going to do what you asked me to do. So um, if uh, you have your Bibles, turn with me to Jonah chapter 3. And we're going to read uh, the entire chapter 3. It's, it's only 10 verses long. And then we're going to read Jonah chapter 4 verse 1 and get a sneak peek into where we're going to end this series next week. So here we are, Jonah chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. It says this, Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. What, what a beautiful beginning. He, he spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh, and deliver the message I've given you. This time... Jonah obeyed the Lord's command. He didn't just stop running. He didn't just say, I will commit to doing the things that you asked me to do. This time, he obeyed the Lord's command. He went to Nineveh, the city so large that it took three days to see it all. And on the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds. Eight-word sermon. Here we go. Forty days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. The people of Nineveh believed God's message, and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne and took off his royal robes, and he dressed himself in burlap and sat in a heap of ashes, and then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city, no one Not even the animals from the herds and flocks may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning, and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. When God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and he did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. Chapter four, verse one says this, this change of plans greatly upset Jonah and he became very angry. This is the word of the Lord and we are thankful for it. So Jonah chapter 3 verse 1 says, then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Uh, In your notes, uh, you can just write this down. Our God is a God of second chances. Our God is a God of second chances. We, We see this over and over in scripture. 
Um, and, and I love that God gave Jonah a second chance because it gives me hope that he's giving me second chances. And it give, should give you hope that he's got second chances for you. And the truth of the matter is, um, there, there is just such a comfort in knowing that our God is able to look at broken people, people that don't have it all right. And listen, Jonah still didn't have it right. We see that in chapter 4, verse 1. He's got a long way to go. Next week, we're going to talk about, you know, the first week was Jonah running from God. The second week was Jonah running to God. The third week is Jonah running with God. Next week, we're going to see how he ran against God. And so... He still isn't perfect. He still has a long way to go. Good news for you because you still have a long way to go too. Good news for me because I still have a long way to go too. The, the, the reality is, is we're not perfect people, but God is a God of grace and mercy. And he keeps calling us to our best. And he keeps calling us to something bigger and better than ourselves. And so uh, Jonah chapter 3 verse 2, God gives them the message again. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I've given you. And, and we're just reminded that God just chooses people that don't have it all together. And he says, I want to use you. And I've still got something for you, Jonah. And I still want to call you to do something great. And so... Uh, I think of Moses in the, in the Old Testament. Moses lost his temper, killed this Egyptian in anger, um, and, and then God calls him to be a part of delivering the people of Egypt from slavery. And, and Moses argues with God and, and wants to tell God all the reasons that he can't be used. And God says, no, I'm going to use you to do my work. I think of Peter. I, I don't know how many of you um, have watched the TV series um, the Chosen. Um, there's an app, and it's on it's on YouTube. It's not actually on TV, but it's people have been telling me forever how amazing this is, and I finally started watching it. I'm just telling you, it's really really good. You should watch it. But it's all about Jesus choosing the disciples, and and Peter's a character in this. And and I was I was just thinking of Peter, and how uh, you know Peter denies Jesus three times right before he goes to the cross. And, um, you know, he is just heartbroken that he's done this. And, and Jesus, when he rises from the grave, Jesus is talking to the women at the tomb. And, and he says, hey, go tell the disciples and Peter to meet me. Why, why did Jesus say that? He said that because he knew that Peter would think to himself, well, he's not counting me. If they would have just come and said, hey, Jesus said for the disciples to meet him here. Peter would have thought, well, not me. I'm, I'm out. Surely I'm not included in the group anymore because I denied Jesus. And Jesus knew what he was thinking. And Jesus said, go tell the disciples and Peter. We serve a God who gives second chances. It was Peter who later preached the first sermon after Pentecost. And, and, and there were all kinds of people who gave their lives uh, to Jesus and, and began following Jesus at that first powerful sermon. And, and so as long as you have breath, the good news is God's not finished with you. As long as you have breath, God's got something more for you. And you, you don't have a past that, that disqualifies you from what God wants to do in your life. You need to hear that this morning. And Jonah chapter 3 verse 3 says, this time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command, went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took 
three days to see it all. This, this was a huge city. Um, chapter 2 has Jonah surrendering. Chapter 1, he stops running. Chapter 2, he says, I'll commit to doing. But chapter 3, he actually starts doing what God called him to do. And the reason I wanted us to read chapter 4, verse 1, is for this next point. In chapter 4, verse 1, uh, we see that Jonah didn't really like what God called him to do. And he wasn't happy about the people repenting. And in your notes, you can just write this down. Obedience is still obedience, even when you don't feel like it. Obedience is still obedience, even when you don't feel like it. This is an important lesson that we learn from Jonah. Jonah was clearly not happy about going to Nineveh. That's the reason he ran in the first place. He was clearly not happy about the people repenting. And he, he didn't like these people. He didn't think they deserved God's mercy. And yet he was obedient to do what God called him to do. I was thinking about um, my kids this week, and, and you get, Melanie and I have four kids, and um, you know we sometimes, I mean, not that we ever have a mess in our house, I'm speaking hypothetically, obviously, but if there were a mess in our house, and we were to say to our kids, hey, clean up the house, um, you know, uh, the kids, they're not always happy about cleaning, right? That, that's not always how that works, and and as a general rule of thumb, as a parent, you know that if you have to ask your kids to do something, they don't like it because you wouldn't have had to ask them if they wanted to do it. And so, you know, when we say, hey, will you clean up? You know, we, we hear things like, well, you know, those are Meredith's toys or that's Landon's mess or that's Ethan's mess or Benjamin's mess. There's, you know, there's all this. And really, it's not about are they happy about cleaning up? What, what really is, is a parent, and you know this if you're a parent, is do they do what we ask? Now, certainly we always like it better when they do it with a good attitude, but the bottom line is, is what it comes down to is, were you obedient? Did you do what we asked you to do? Um, not necessarily were you happy about it. And this is the, the same way it is with our Heavenly Father. In, in, in Matthew chapter 21, the religious leaders came to Jesus and they've got some problems. They, they want him to prove to them uh, he is who he says he is by showing them some signs. And, and this is what Jesus tells them. He tells them a story. He says, but what do you think about this? A man with two sons told the older boy, son, go out and work in the vineyard today. And the son answered, no, I won't go. But later he changed his mind and went anyway. Then the father told the other son, you go. And he said, yes, sir, I will. But he didn't go. Which of the two obeyed his father? Jesus is trying to say, hey, the, the kid who mouthed off and said, no, I'm not going to go. I'm not interested. But then later was obedient. That's the one who obeyed the father. But the kid who said, yeah, 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 I'll go. I'll go. I'll do it. And didn't. He was the one who didn't. But Jesus is saying lip service is cheap. It's easy to use words, but what God is looking for is obedience. And we see that in Jonah. We see that obedience is obedience, uh, whether we like it or not. And, and Jesus modeled this for us, right? In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is, is crying out to God. And he, he's, saying, he's saying, if there's any other way for this cup to pass from me, 
If there's any other way that humanity can be saved, if there's, if there's any other way that I, I don't have to go through what I'm about to have to go through, will you let this cup pass for me? And then Jesus says, but not my will, but yours. I'll be obedient to the will of the Father. And, and, and Jesus loved us so much that he was willing to say, I'll do whatever it takes for them to be saved. I'll do whatever it takes for them to be forgiven. And so, um, as far as Jonah is concerned, there were just some people that didn't deserve God's grace. There were some people that didn't deserve God's mercy. And he didn't think the Ninevites deserved it. And Jonah did not want to go. Um, And the truth is, he went anyway. He went anyway. Now, if you're like me, you know that there are times, and you could probably, if you just paused for a moment, you can think of three or four things that you know right now God wants you to do and you don't want to do it. Because God will often call us to do hard things. God will often call us to do things that are difficult. And just because you don't want to do it doesn't mean you don't need to be obedient. Right? That there are times where God will call us to do something hard. And, and he says, listen, I know this is going to be hard. I know you not, might not love this. I'm, I know you might not want to do this. I know this is going to be really difficult for you. But I want you to take the step of obedience. And there are so many examples that we can all think about from our own lives of things that God's calling us to do. It's just hard. It's hard. One of those just off the top of my mind is forgiveness, though. Forgiveness is just a really good example of this. I don't think there's ever been a time that somebody has hurt me, that somebody has offended me, that somebody has really just bothered me, that, I mean, really, especially if it's been just a deep hurt I don't think there's ever been a time where I'm like, I can't wait to forgive them. I'm so happy about forgiving them. This is, this is going to be great. I get to forgive. No, it's always hard to forgive. It's always difficult to forgive. But here's, forgiveness is just a good example of this. We make the decision that we're going to be obedient and we're going to forgive. And our feelings follow our decision. And this is true about so many areas of following God and, and being faithful and being being true to what God calls us to do, our feelings will follow our obedience. But it's, you know, it's usually not, okay, Lord, I'll forgive them, and then you feel good immediately. It's usually not the second day. It's usually not the third day. There's, it's, it's a daily choice. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to forgive. And you constantly make that decision, and your feelings will follow your decision. It's, it's true about this, but here's, here's the message we all need to hear obedience is obedience. Jonah had a bad attitude. Jonah didn't necessarily want to go to Nineveh, but he went. And you know what God said? Thank you, Jonah, for being obedient. Thank you, Jonah, for doing what I asked you to do. And God was pleased with his obedience, even though he didn't want to do it. Number three in your notes, you can just write this down. God can use one person to impact many people. Jonah chapter 3 verse 3 says this, this time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large it took three days to see it all. This was the greatest city, the most powerful city, the wealthiest city. This was the superpower of the modern world as they knew it. This, This was the most 
important city in the world. Uh, we know from chapter 4 that there was at least 120,000 people there. And that doesn't necessarily mean there was 120,000 because we know in this time they usually only counted men. Sorry, kids and ladies, that's just how it worked in that time. But they only usually counted men. So there, there are scholars that would say this city probably had more than 500,000 in it. So huge city, took three days to travel through, and, and he begins to preach this message. Forty days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. Eight-word sermon. Some of you are like, I wish our pastor would preach an eight-word sermon sometimes. Uh, this week I prayed, Lord, will you give me an eight-word sermon? And he didn't. And so here we are. Um, so, you know, eight words. And he didn't really help them. Do you notice? He doesn't kind of coach them up on how they can repent. He doesn't coach them up on this is what they need to do to turn. He, he, he doesn't. He's not helpful at all. He just says... 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. And the reason he doesn't coach them up is he doesn't want them to repent. He doesn't even like them. He, he is excited about them being destroyed. And he's just kind of telling them this is what's going to happen. And how do they respond? They believed him. They actually heard the message, they trusted the message, and they repented. They actually turned around and did something different. And uh, I, was, I was thinking um, that it wasn't the power of the messenger, it was the power of the message. This, this week, Melanie and I had the privilege, um, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, we were at a retreat with a lot of pastors from our district, and one of our, our general superintendents, who's uh, kind of you know higher up in the Church of the Nazarene, we only have six that kind of oversee the world, was there, and he was speaking, and um, he just shared a powerful message of of this the parable of Jesus of the farmer who was scattering the seed, and and the the farmer that was scattering the seed just kind of scattered it really um, everywhere. You know, there was, there was hard ground and he threw it on the hard ground and there was weedy ground and he threw it in the weeds and, and, and there was good soil. There was all these different soils and, and as he was walking along, he's just throwing seed everywhere. And, and it's almost, you know, it, it almost seems as if this is irresponsible. Why, why are you just wasting seed, right? Well, because the farmer knew that the power was in the seed, that the power was in the message. And the truth of the matter is, I think sometimes if, if you're like me, we think, Lord, how, how can you use me to go share with somebody? I mean, I, I don't have it all together. I, I, there's still things you're working out in my life. And, and so we, we use excuses of why God can't use us. And, and God just wants to remind us through Jonah's story, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's not the power of the messenger. It's the power of the message. Jonah gave a message and, and the power of God broke through in spite of the messenger. You need to hear that. I, I need to hear that. That It's not about us. It's about the message of God. It's this good news. It's the power of the gospel that can change hearts. This week, um, I, I don't even know what caused me to, to start um, and, and pick this up. But this week, I, I started listening again um, to a book I haven't, I read this book probably in high school, maybe in college. It's called The Cross and the Switchblade. I don't know if any of you have ever read The Cross and the Switchblade, but David Wilkerson was a, a small country preacher, and he felt 
the Lord calling him to go to the inner city of New York and preach to the gangs in New York. And, and it's a powerful, powerful story of just obedience. And, and again, I, it just, it was kind of random how I started listening to this book again. And last night, I, I'm almost finished with it. And I said to Melanie, I was like, this is Jonah. This, this is the story of Jonah. This small country preacher goes to the big city to preach to the gangs. I mean, this is Jonah. It's, it's the story of Jonah. And there's a, there's a part in the book, um, and by the way, we're going to have it in our, in our library next week. We've, we've ordered a couple copies. But there's a, there's a part um, in this book where the, the, this country preacher doesn't know what he's doing. He goes into one of the worst neighborhoods and he's got a guy with him who plays trumpet, and they don't have a plan. They, I mean, they're just like, how are we going to meet these gangs? And he tells the guy that's with him, hey, start playing your trumpet. And if we draw a crowd, I'll preach. That was his plan. It's a great plan, right? You know, so the guy with the trumpet just starts playing. Well, like kids start flocking out. And, you know, they're thinking, well, what's going on? This is, you know, what's happening? And, and he plays, I think it was Onward Christian Soldiers, like eight times through. And there's a huge crowd, hundreds of kids and teenagers here by the end of this. And when, when he's done playing, uh, David Wilkinson gets up to, to talk. And he has no idea what he's going to say. The kids are just being loud and disruptive and just nobody's paying attention. And, and he doesn't know what to do. And so finally he just stops and he bows his head and he just says, Lord, I have no idea how to get through these kids. Will your Holy Spirit come and do something that I can't do? And literally as he was praying, the crowd started getting quieter and quieter and quieter and quieter. And when he opened his eyes, everybody was completely quiet, paying attention. And he just started talking to them about John three sixteen, for God so loved the world. And he wanted them to know that God loved them and he cared for them and he had a plan for their life. And it didn't matter all the things that they had done that were wrong and broken. And what's interesting is um, he says, hey, I know there's some tough gangs uh, in this area. And he said, you know, if you're so tough, why don't you come up here and talk to me? And, and the leader uh, of one of the gangs uh, came up and, and the, the president of the gang and the deputy, uh, the vice president of the gang came up with two of their warlords. And he talked to them and, and they, were, they were obviously being moved by the Spirit. And, and he's, they said, you know, what do we need to do? And he was like, you know, I didn't know what to tell them. If, if they were at church, I would have told them to come to the altar and pray and all those kinds of things. But he was like, how do you have kids do that in the middle of the street in front of all these hundreds of kids? And, but he said, you know, maybe they need to take a bold step like that. So he said, if you, want, if you want to receive the Lord, you need to kneel down and you need to ask the Holy Spirit to come into your life and give you a fresh start. And this president of this gang, the vice president and these two warlords, they knelt down and they prayed to receive Jesus and have their sins forgiven. It's just a powerful story. It goes on to talk about how these kids' lives were changed and, there, and, and the hundreds of thousands of people that have been impacted because one country preacher said, God, I'll be obedient and I'll go into the inner city of New York and I'll preach. It's, it's a phenomenal book. Um, while we're going through this Jonah series, you should pick up the cross and the switchblade. And some of you should read that for the first time. And some of you who haven't read it in 20 or 30 years, you should reread that book. It's on Audible. I'm listening to it. It's a good listen as well. But um, it's, it's, a powerful, it's a powerful message. Um, our church, 
is passionate about missions. Our, our church is passionate about sharing the love of Jesus with people locally and people around the world. And, and we are a part of the Church of the Nazarene. We're networked with, with churches of the Nazarene around the world in 167 world areas. And, and you, you might not know this, but let me just let me give you an update on some of the things that you have done uh, that you might not even know you've done. That since March 1st, which is kind of the beginning of our fiscal year, uh, since March 1st, you have given about $28,000 to support missionaries in 167 world areas. And, and so you have been a part of helping missionaries spread the good news in all kinds of distant lands and places uh, around. Uh, but also, in addition to that, you've, you've been a part of giving $20,000 to local things. Between our Easter offering uh, and, and other things, you've given about $20,000 to support local ministries and areas in our area to make a difference for Jesus. In fact, um, uh, Ellis Benton, who actually was here a few months ago, is a church planter uh, that we invested in pretty significantly. Um, and then there's another church planter that we just uh, this past week have made the decision that we're going to give $7,000 uh, to support a church plant in the Jacksonville area. And uh, you're going to hear from Luke Benjamin. He's actually going to come in January and just share uh, what God's doing. And thank you uh, for the difference that you've made in this church. Um, but in addition to that $28,000 in, in world missions, that $20,000 to local missions, that's not even including, for those of you who are part of our Engage initiative, this year we gave $30,000 to support OBGYN doctors in Kenya and to raise up Christian doctors that could make a difference there in Kenya. And, and $10,000 is going towards feeding hungry children in places where they're impoverished and they can't get food. Like, we care about giving to missions, in local and global. And you, you, you as a church, you do that really well. You're a generous church. But I just, I wanna say to us this morning, God wants us to do more than give money. Sometimes it's easier to give our money than it is to give ourselves. Sometimes it's easy to write a check and, and, and feel like we've done our part. And God is saying to us, just as God said to Jonah, just as God said to David Wilkerson, he's calling us to go and to go into our mission field. And you know what it is? It's your neighborhood. It, it's your neighborhood that you live in. It's the place that you work. It's the schools that you attend. And he wants us to go and be a light in the midst of darkness. And he wants us to just share his love. And we have all kinds of reasons. Well, I don't, I don't know anybody, God. And he says, well, open your eyes and get to know some people that are far from me. We say, you know, well, you know, what will they think? My life's still a mess. And he was like, well, Jonah's life was a mess too. I used him. I can use you. If he can use Jonah to turn an entire city, he can use you. We're going to discover, oh, Jonah, Jonah did not have it all together. Next week, uh, we're going to talk about how Jonah really dropped the ball uh, big. And the truth of the matter is, is God chose to use him even though he wasn't perfect. Um, I, I spent yesterday, uh, all day, and Friday with LaunchPoint, uh, the LaunchPoint leadership team. And for those of you who are new at our church, uh, about two years ago, we planted a church in Cocoa called LaunchPoint. And 
It was just a joy to be with the leaders and to talk to them about vision and what God's doing. And, and I tell you, I left that time with those leaders more excited about what God has in store for that church plant uh, that, that you invested in because we believe that it matters to build the kingdom and not just our kingdom, to build the kingdom. And, and so we have said, hey, Lord, we're going to live open-handed and, and take whatever you want to take. And so about two years ago, we sent some of our wonderful people to go plant a church. And God is at work in what they're doing there in Cocoa. And the truth of the matter is when we live open-handed and we say, God, you can use my resources and you can use my life, God says, now I'll use you. Now I can make a difference. Now good things can happen because you've lived open-handedly. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says it this way. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, that's our local community. Throughout Judea, that was their surrounding area. It's our surrounding area. In Samaria, that's the, the places that you don't want to go and the people that you don't like. You fill in the blank. Whatever that is for you, that's where God wants you to go. And to the ends of the earth, we are called to be witnesses. Every one of us should have at least one person in our life that is far from Jesus that we're simply helping them take some steps towards Jesus. We can all do that. We should have more than one person, but every one of us should be saying, Lord, send me to at least one person and let me intentionally share your love. Not because we have it all together, but because we serve a God who's amazing and gives second chances. I, I, um, I don't know how many of you are like this, but my grandfather used to say this all the time. He would say, I ought to be the best driver in the world because I get constant instruction. That's what he would always say, you know. And uh, my grandmother was always helping him drive, you know. And so um, I, too, am blessed to get constant help uh, from my spouse uh, in my driving. And uh, so, but here's, here's the thing um, about what happens uh, in, in Jonah, that they, um, these people uh, turn their lives around they, they change, they, they turn because in Jonah chapter 3, verse 8, and let me come back to this story, it says this, people and animals alike must wear garments in mourning and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop their violence. They actually turned, and I was thinking about driving because, um, you know, sometimes Melanie will say, hey, this is where you need to turn. And if I were to miss the turn... And I just keep driving and say, hey, sorry, I missed the turn. Is it good enough? Is it good enough to say, I'm sorry, I missed the turn. I'm sorry, I didn't go the direction I should have gone. No, you've got to stop the car and you've got to go in the right direction because you're not getting any closer to your destination if you don't stop and turn around. And so what happens with the people of Nineveh is they, they do, they turn around. They stop their violence. They wear sackcloth and ash. They, they turn. And what I love about this is God does for the Ninevites exactly what he did for Jonah and exactly what he does for us. He gives them a second chance. The, the book ends, this chapter ends with the same message of the second chance coming, but it's the second chance to those 
in Nineveh. Jeremiah chapter 18, verses 7 through 8 says this. If I announce that a certain nation or kingdom is to be uprooted and torn down and destroyed, but then that nation renounces its evil ways, I will not destroy it as I planned. That there is something about our God who's willing to give us a second chance. He's willing to give us another shot. First John chapter 2, and this isn't on the screen because I didn't know I was going to read this until this morning. 1 John chapter 2, uh, verses 1 and 2 says this. My dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. And not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. We serve a God who gives second chances to people like Jonah, to people like the, the folks in Nineveh, and to people like us. He gives second chances. And here's, here's the question. This is the last point in your notes. Just write this down. Are we going to be his witnesses or not? Are we going to be his witnesses or not? I want to pray with you and just um, ask you to bow your heads and, and let's just pray together. Father, we are so thankful for this book. We're so thankful for the hope that it gives us. As we look at this story and we see ourselves in it, we are reminded of, of so many ways that, that we miss the mark. And yet, Lord, we're reminded that you are a God of second chances. And we're so thankful for this message of hope that we get from Jonah chapter 3, that you came to Jonah a second time, that the word of the Lord came to him a second time, that you gave those people of Nineveh a second chance. Lord, there are, there are some who are here in this room, there are some who are online, who they need a second chance from you. And they, they've missed the mark. They've, they've, they've gone in the wrong direction. But, but today is the day that they want to say, Lord, I, I want to repent. I want to turn. And, and I want to not only take that first baby step of, of stopping running. I, I want to take the second baby step of, of committing to follow you. And Lord, I pray that you would empower them to take that third step and, and begin to do the things that you've called them to do. And Lord, those hard things that some in this room and those online just, they're saying, I, I, it's going to be so hard to do that. I pray that you would help them be obedient, even when it's hard. Help them to be obedient, even when they don't want to do the things that you've called them to do at times. And Lord, I, I thank you that our feelings will follow our obedience. And God, I pray that you would be with the many who are here who already have surrendered. They've already decided to follow you. But Lord, there's just all kinds of reasons why they have made excuses to not be a witness for you. To not share your love with their classmates, with their coworkers, with the people in their neighborhood, with the people that they are, are around on a daily basis. Lord, I, I pray that you would help us to open our eyes this week and that we would see people in need around us, 
that we would share your love with the people who are hurting and broken all around us. Not because we're better, but because we have experienced your grace in our own lives and we simply want others to know the good news that we ourselves know. I pray that you would give us the boldness to be a witness for you this week, that we would recognize if you can use Jonah, an imperfect guy, to turn an entire city around, Lord, could we be the people that would turn our schools around? Could we be the people that would turn our neighborhood around? Could we be the people that would turn our workplace around? Could we be the people that would turn our our broader family around? Lord, I ask that you would give us a boldness and a desire to be obedient to you and to be your witness and to share your love with people this week. And Lord, we'll give you the praise when you empower us to do what we can't do in our own strength. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Jonah, chapter 3, verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. The good news is we serve a God of second chances. We need those second chances. But God wants us to go from here and share his good news and his hope and his love with people out there that need second chances. May we be a people that would say yes. May we be a people that would say, Lord, use me to share your love with others. Go in his peace to be those kinds of people. You're dismissed.